Insights Cans, the podcast that gets local personalities together to shoot the proverbial. From hard conversations to one degree of separation, news and views, you'll hear it here at Insights Cans. Hello and welcome to Insights Cans. John Reardon here, your host this afternoon and another amazing panel. Let me start. Hello, Councillor Amy Eden. How are you? From Division 5. Lara Wall from FNQ Food Incubator. Hello. How are you? Marvellous. Nice to see you again. And Emily Nancaro, Queensland Training Award winner. Three yep. years in a row, the three Pete. <laughs> is it? Bon bon. No, I've won it twice. Twice. Seven Greedy. years apart. <laughs> and Hot No Matter What is the name of your business. My podcast, yes. Your podcast, which we're going to get to the bottom of very soon. Yes. Not too far away from the next council election, Amy. Yes, JR. Excited, yes. building. Pumped up, ready to go. You've already announced one candidate. I have. And that is? Kessa Stribe. Division 2, Edmonton area. Okay. Mm. When is the big announcement for the whole team? Watch this space. Okay. Yeah. Do we all head down to the lagoon and wait for the cameras and the, the media to arrive? And no. no, we're not doing it by the lagoon? No, we're not doing it but by the But that is your patch? That is my patch. But as obviously as a mayoral candidate, the whole local government area is the patch. So making sure that we're seen in all the areas is really important. I have a question for you. Okay. Monday morning after the election and you're successful, you're our new mayor, what's your first point of order? Well, we've got to get sworn in first. That's mm-hmm. the number one mm-hmm. number one thing. Mm-hmm. But it does take a couple of weeks after the election for obviously for the count. So I will be at the Pink concert in Townsville a week after the election with my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be celebrating. And um, and then, yeah, it generally takes three weeks after the election. Now, is this your, your second term in office now, isn't it? Uh, I'm currently in my first term. Okay, mm. right. And what's been the inspiration to make the announcement that you want to be the Mayor of Cairns? Oh, look, I think it's really um, the fact that people keep asking and when I couldn't see any real leadership in the pipeline, that, you know, we needed a generational change, we need some renewal. Sure, sure. Got a scholarship at QUT last year, um, have, you know, some really good contacts and mentors throughout the country. It seemed like the perfect opportunity. And our last female mayor, it's not mayoress, is it? It's, it's not mayoress. It's mayor. It's was mayor. Val Shear. Correct. Yeah. Our first and only female. Yeah. So hope to follow in the footsteps, in, in her shoes or footsteps as you wish or whatever. But you, obviously you have your own ideas and views and so forth. Uh, a very challenging area for you in Division 5. Yeah, Division 5 is a very diverse area. Obviously, we've got some of the lowest socioeconomic. We've got all of the business centre in town. And a lot of the business owners, JR, don't actually live in the division, so they can't vote for me anyway. So I just have to rely on word of mouth. And that's actually going to probably come in good favour because they'll be able to vote for me as mayor Sure, but you know I'm going to mention the law and order issue in Kansas. Why not? Absolutely. It's on the table, right? And I have heard you talk about it and my personal view as a ratepayer is I don't think council should be trying to control law and order or take over the role of the state government. Yeah, let me be really clear that we're not trying to take it over, but we definitely have a role to play. Yeah, yeah. I've heard you say yeah, that. And absolutely. what is that, well, what is specifically well, look, that A really role? good outcome recently was there was some break-ins down at the boardwalk down Marina. Yeah. And someone commented on Facebook, you know, how bad that was. And I said, yeah, look, it's really terrible to hear that. And then... I got a comment going, hey, Amy, I don't see the police down here and I don't see any council security. So I said, well, I can log a request for some more police patrols, but you won't see council because it's Ports North Land, which is under trust for the state. And then some other uh, person, resident, goes, wow, what kind of attitude's that? You should be down there anyway. And I was like, woo. And the good news is, it's actually sparked conversations, Ports North Council at the table, and now we're working together to make sure that there is security along the marina. Because really, Mr Joe Public doesn't care if it's Ports North land or council land. We just want to be safe. Exactly. Exactly. Sitting down, having a nice meal with the family. Correct. I mean, uh, lots of uh, people visiting Cairns do not want to experience the adverse uh, antisocial behaviour. They really don't. And so they don't care if it's Ports North Land or Council Land. So that's a really, really good outcome. And that's through partnerships. We obviously have our police liaison officers down the Esplanade. That's a really good outcome. 
There's another issue I want to talk to you about very shortly. Hello, Lara Wild. Hello. FNQ Incubator. No stranger to this program. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me back. I was actually down on the boardwalk this morning having breakfast with some government people and we were talking about women in leadership roles and how you bring a different angle to it. And we were talking about, you know, Jacinda Ardern and some of the, the world leaders and how they've taken a different approach. And I think it's really exciting to see that we're so ingrained with the solution is we need more police, we need council to do something, we need government to do something. But then what else can we do as a community? and how that's going to show. And I'm really excited to see what you're going to do in that leadership role. Thank you. If successful. I've got to say that, haven't I? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's going to be good because we in Cairns, someone's going to get upset, but we do have a little bit of a reputation for the pale, male and stale in our mm. leadership. Mm. And to bring in something fresh is going to be exciting. And so, yeah, best of luck. I look forward to seeing what Ooh. you bring. Thanks, girl. Well, it's a different era, isn't it? It is. That we live in now. Yeah. More women are coming to the fore and stepping up and so forth, whether it's uh, a, a political base, uh, in media and so forth. Emily, what's your, your take on this? And you're, you're a lot younger than me, different generation. Mm. One, two years. <laughs> a couple oh, of years. I was going to say five or six. Uh, you're from Red Lynch. Yeah, oh, I'm from Mount Sheridan now. But, uh, yeah, my parents live in Red Lynch. So I grew up in Red Lynch from when I was 13 to 17 and I graduated school. Yeah, I'm here for it. Love the femme energy. Obviously, you know, I grew up with a single mom, so I really appreciate the strong, independent women standing up and taking on those leadership roles and paving the way for the future. One of the things I find really weird when we talk about women in leadership as a woman, I'm still not sure what it looks like. Like, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to be dictator-like or not because, yeah, I see those strong, independent women. That's one. But, geez, I see some powerful groups of women where you have a community that gets together and all the mothers back each other, mm -mm. you know, or all of the girls in that particular fitness group or whatever it is, and you see that community leadership come through with that feminine edge. And so for me to be able to say, what does female leadership look like? I don't know. And that's part of the excitement is that it's going to be a result that's not necessarily based on profit. It's not necessarily based on, a KPI I can measure. It could be about community health. It could be about gardens. It, you know, there's so many different options and we don't know what that looks like yet, but there's only one way to find out. Do you know, the, the median age of the resident in Cairns is actually 39. 39. Wow. wow. So okay. when we've got people, you know, pushing yep. 80, 70, making decisions and you're trying to talk about, for example, Instagram and they don't know what you're talking about, it's a completely different generation. I'm just going to change on. tact a little bit here. A recent survey just came out that in Australia, 38% of Google users could not spell cans. Yeah. It's, it's a hard word. It's so many Cairns. 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 That's an old way Mrs. of saying Bouquet. it, I guess. Americans, <laughs> if you ask, cans, cans, they can't can't pronounce it. I thought it was astonishing. Yeah. I'm really disappointed. We've got a new business in Cairns called NQ Canning and they had so many opportunities to run a pun off Cairns for a canning facility and yeah. they just <laughs> they missed the boat. moment. Yeah. I'm really... Cade, you need to do better. <laughs> so you're you're all about empowering women as well or young younger women, younger generation of women coming through, Emily? I'm all about balance. Balance is the key. Yes, so I think we're a bit of a yin-yang sort of How situation. How do you balance your career and raise a five-year-old? There's no such thing as that balance. <laughs> I'm still working on getting that right, but it's actually all really thanks to my very supportive partner, who is a man who can easily balance me. He, I'm quite strong. You know, I'm a go-getter. I take life by the balls and I grab it and I'm, I want to make big changes and a big impact on the world. So I need a partner who is secure enough to let me be strong, be independent and do all those things without getting threatened, threatened or insecure that I'm trying to take over that head of the household, you know, quotation. I'm loving role. listening to this. Yeah. So I'm all about <laughs> sure. balance. I really think that oh. it's been quite male heavy for so long and there should be more women in politics, driving the world to balance that out. I don't think it should be all women and I don't think it should be all men. I think it should be both. Balance. Yeah. I really want to meet Mr. Emily now and yeah. find this man. Mr. Emily is so great. He is amazing. <laughs> he is so balanced. I remember when I got my job a couple of years ago, uh, the 
lady who was interviewing me, she's like, all right, yep, this is the job. And I was like, great, I'll take it. And she's like, do you want to discuss this with your partner? And I was like, no, he supports anything that I do, so I'm taking the job. And she was like, keep hold of that, man. Yes, love that. Just listening to you reminded me, my husband, when we met, was in the Navy. And I remember saying to him, well, actually, I don't remember. I forgot, but he reminded me. <laughs> he goes, do you remember you said, I'm a young, independent woman and I don't need you? And I was like, oh, geez. He goes, it was so good because I would go to sea. I know that you can change the tide, you can fix the fence, you can whatever you need to do, you can get on with the show. And so just listening to you, Emily, just reminded me of that and it's something to be really proud of. Oh, thank you. Women yeah. in sport, and it's a big thing now. Oh. AFL, NRL, mm. rugby union, uh, tennis, of course. Mm. Uh, it, it's massive. And this weekend is the AFL Cairns Grand Final Ooh. and the uh, women's grand final will be just before the, the men's grand final as well, which I'll be a part of. Oh. And I can't wait to be a part of that because I do umpiring and I'm the emergency umpire in the women's grand final. We have actually had a lot of girls, well, women from Cairns, go into the, the AFLW. Mm. So it's a great pathway. So actually, I quite enjoy watching women's sport, I just golfers. A, I just spent a week in Melbourne and one of the case studies we went into was the formation of the AFL Women's League. And it was fascinating that it's it began... It's massive. Yeah, it began from a marketing perspective and it was one of the biggest games they had, their first finals, yep. and how it's just developed. And now they have teams from all along the East Coast. They do. And it's they such do. a great opportunity for women to stand on their own two feet. The sport that I'm really... Ex- I don't know if anyone listened to the first episode. Uh, I have a little bit of a thing for motorsport and one of the challenges I've had is from a, a personal perspective, my values don't always align with motorsport. It's toxic masculinity on nitrous. Uh, but there's a new sport out there called Extreme E which is off-road racing and it's about being environmentally sustainable. So it's 100% electric vehicles. But even to the point where there's none of this flying in your rock star team, everyone travels by ship so that it's more environmentally sustainable. They hold it in countries that have been affected by climate change. But the thing I really loved, every team has one male and one female driver that get equal seat time. And so you're seeing a 16-year-old girl who is outshining in her field getting time as a partner to a nine times world rally champion and getting mentored. And so it's not a case of we've got a token minority seat and we'll put you in if we get a moment. They need to drive to win. Molly Taylor is the Australian competing and doing really well in that series at the moment, but Extreme E is the name of the series. And I just think we're going to see so much development in the female drivers coming through that. It's going to be brilliant. That's awesome. Can you ladies name the number one Australian woman, woman golfer? No. Minwoo Lee? Really? Yeah, and she just won the re- a recent uh, PG, uh, LPGA championship in America. So, and her brother is what? Oh, he's on the circuit as well, the PGA oh, circuit as well. So, yeah, but no one remembers his name. She is the important yeah. one. That she is, and on. she is very, very good. And how old is she? Uh, probably mid to late thirties. Okay. Mm. Yeah, great. Mm. Yeah, I think this is. We're at this exciting cusp because for the first time in history, women don't need men. We used to need men to open a bank account, to buy a house, Mm. to get permission to have a job. That was a thing we actually... I needed permission from a man to go to a meeting and speak in front of the committee. Like, we needed men. We don't now. So you men are going to have to have a personality (laughs) and want to be someone we want to hang around with now. But we're seeing that we don't know what female leadership's going to look like. If I said to you right now, there's a big huntsman on the wall there... I'm fine with that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you, I knew you would yeah. be. But I just grab the microphone and and, and, snake, and Amy, though, you're tall enough your to reach it. <laughs> not a spider. I, I would do a spider, but not a snake. But here's the thing: you don't need Jr. as one man to get rid of the spider. There's Ricky here, who's also able. Like, He's out the door. There's, there's many, many people who could get rid of the spider. We don't need a husband to give us permission to do that, and I think that's the big change. But the future for women in sport, as in politics, yeah, it's going to be massive because we're writing these rules for the first time, and we have yet to fully explore what it looks like. Women have never had the chance to compete no, on is, a world it's, level. It's, it's, yeah. But so our fields. economy is also the better for it because we've got 50% of more people contributing oh. to our economy also contributing to our intelligence as a nation. Like, this is pretty exciting stuff. So not to forget the Women's World Soccer Championships that we just had in this country with New Zealand was just phenomenal. Yeah. And broke all the TV rating records. Players from Ariba, weren't they? 
uh, F- uh, Fiona Fowler was is from Smithville. Yeah, that's wow. exciting. So is that just Mary? Really exciting. Mary Fowler, yeah. sorry, yeah, yeah thanks, she was a Amy. So student, yeah. it, it just swept the country right up, and we just rode an amazing ride. But do you know what? To get it down in the Esplanade on the big screen. No, councillor, I don't think there's any support around the table. I'm like, yeah, the, this is huge. This <laughs> huge. Is, this is once in a... Get the maybe not lifetime, but once every sit. four years. Come on, guys, get on board. And slowly they got on board. But Cairns, you know, we're notorious for voting with our feet. And thankfully, the community voted with their feet and the Esplanade was packed. Packed. It was so great. The atmosphere was so good. And yeah. I, I think the strongest demographic amongst all of that were kids. Yeah. Male and female was just enormous. And it's just as important for those young boys to see those female role models Correct. Oh, as totally. the girls. But I've met so many amazing women in Cairns lately. I'm just blown away. I met a woman today who is doing research with Japanese people on how we can grow teeth in space. I've no idea why you would want to grow teeth in space, <laughs> but I'm really excited she's doing it. I love the passion she told me about it. But then I met another woman who is doing it the first time ever, a whole encyclopedia on octopus out of Cairns at JCU. So there's these exciting, like completely left field So where do you meet these people in the banana aisle? Or like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's you put it out to the universe. I want to meet the kookiest people you can find for me and bring in. I met um, a woman who is doing research into Irukandji jellyfish and how we might be able to use the toxins out of them to make sure that cancer patients never have to go through chemotherapy again. Wow, that's like, cool. They're yeah, cool that's, projects that's coming fabulous. out. Yeah. That's fabulous. Uh, I, I just, on the way in here this afternoon, I heard a conversation uh, which took me way back to when I was just a little fella and how our mothers used to rinse our mouths out with soap if we dropped an F-bomb or whatever, so... Never happened to me. Never. No. Never. It didn't happen to me, actually, but it happened. <laughs> and I still remember my sister, the velvet soap. So, Emily, you've got a five-year-old... Yes. ..who's going to hit the uh, the pavement pretty soon. Mm. And uh, you're going to come across that disciplinary line. How do you handle that? I thought that I would be the disciplinarian, but I'm not. I'm quite the emotional, oh, you know, gentle parent, and my partner's quite, you know, straight down the line, very disciplinarian, but it's funny. He came home, my son came home from kindy the other day, and he he was telling me about how um, there was a kid at kindy that said a naughty word, <laughs> and I was like, well, what did he say? And he, was, he just looked at me like, is this a joke? Like, is this a trick? Am I going to say it? Yeah, and then you're going to get at me? And I was like, no, you have permission to say it. And he was like, he said, damn. And I was like, oh, dear. Oh, dear. You always say like. Yeah, I was like, oh, my goodness, that's so bad. And he was like, I know. I was like, did you tell the teacher? And he was like, no, he'll learn his lesson. Isn't it fun? It is so much so fun. fun. That age is brilliant. It's what they're bringing in and what they say and, and do. I, I love the first five years of my two boys growing up. Can I share a little thing that I did? Of course you can. I created a photographic journal of the funny things kids say, and it's just private on Facebook for my husband and I. And honestly, I was going through it with my kids the other day. And we were just crying with laughter. Some of the things they say, there was like this candle and it had these little beads around it. And my daughter goes, look, mum, the candle's wearing a skirt. Oh, <laughs> out of the mouth of babes. I know. So, so if there's one thing, it's not too late. You can do like a photographic journal and just write down these things because you can never remember, you know, a decade, two decades later. And it's so, so hilarious. Brilliant. Love it. So where does discipline, old school discipline come into modern day life today? Who's a Are we going back to the crime in the city conversation? No. 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 <laughs> Just general household. I don't I don't have children and one of the things I'm always amazed by is how do you raise children in this day and age with social media? Because they're exposed to so much more. If you think back before my generation even, parents could control who you hung out with, who your friends were, what school you went to and who was at the school, you know, all of that. And now, I mean, at five, do they have a phone yet? I don't know. Definitely not. <laughs> but it is relentless. It's, yeah. you know, constantly in con- in contact and connecting with people. So I've seen my parents, they used to actually l- make us leave our phones on this charging station at night time and we weren't allowed our phones half an hour before bed and we weren't allowed our phones in our rooms. Mm. And I think that really helped because I've, I have a few friends who are teachers 
high school teachers and they say that the biggest issue is that kids are constantly connected and mm. if they're getting bullied for example they can get bullied all day at school yeah. and then all night on social media and they're fatigued they're not and learning then they're fatigued. that's right yeah. yep. the blue light I'm one of those parents that has the phones in the room yeah it's my children's phone side on silent aeroplane mode yeah. yeah. I, I really wish you were my parent because I'd love someone to take the phone off me and just go, that's enough. Work's not going to bully you for the rest of the night. Just leave it over you there. You can't. You, look, it is difficult. It is difficult. And you've just got to leave it somewhere where you can't reach for it. My wife goes crook at me because I like to listen to music while I'm relaxing before I go to sleep. And she's saying, you're on your phone. The blue light's yeah. keeping your brain yeah. going. And I didn't realise that. So... Uh, I have Lucky to switch it off. Lucky you've got an amazing wife. But, but the thing is, Female-ish. I went to, the other night I went to bed about, you know, 8.30, normal, uh, pretty tired. Wow. And I got a phone call at 11 o'clock. My, it was 11.15. It's my son picking up my younger son. He's down at McDonald's next to Channel 7. Oh, Dad, my car won't start. <laughs> I said, right, turn it over for me. And it made the click, 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 click. Okay, I'll be down in five minutes. Just before I left, I worked it out what was wrong. I grabbed the jumper leads. Sure enough, he had a flat battery. Yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't have known otherwise if I didn't have the phone there. So it mm. does come in handy. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, back when in the day, they survived, right? You well, they would have rung up. The phone would have rung on the landline. We Correct. do not have a landline at home. No. Yeah. It's sad. No, it's, but it's great. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the weekends where I forget to get my phone out of the car and I just leave it there for a whole yeah. weekend. And you'd be amazed by the emergencies that the world manages to cope with without me. So when do you switch off from it? Anytime I can get it. I still reef. believe it has been the greatest marketing ploy of all time and to stay connected as Emily said we need to be connected and that's exactly what the telcos did mm. go to that's the how they pushed down the gorge road and yeah. there's no phone stay reception connected. there there's no phone reception so you've only got to use your playlist that's already saved in your library and you're in bliss so land. who goes camping sometimes yeah we and you too. find a spot parents now find a spot where there is absolutely no phone connection yeah because mm. they want their kids to be completely Unplugged. switched off yeah it's a serious addiction they're the only it is a serious addiction yeah they're the only product that calls their users users everyone else is a customer or a client but they're you're a user good point so when you go to a restaurant there's a family and the two kids mum and dad the two kids and the two kids are on the tablets what's our view let the kid, let the parents have their night (laughs) you never know like a young parent well you know i start my son off with colouring in and then puzzles and then he gets bored of those in 10-15 minutes then it's the iPad. I have to say I was one of the parents, my kids sat under the table with the books and the cars and, mm. but as they got older they, A, they didn't fit under the table and quite tall so they're quite tall um, and they grow up so yes if they're going to be on their phones they're going to be on their phones but yeah. now if it's a family dinner no way. We've had the practice since my, my Alice was born uh, dinner at six o'clock. If the phones ring, we never answer. The television is off. We sit at the table. Things have changed slightly as they've got older. One's work shift and so forth. But as far as I'm concerned, it is family time. Yeah, yeah. That reminds me of the castle. <laughs> it's like, dinner I don't time, have a, I don't have a pool room, Emily. Down. Got to move the Tirana to get to the Gemini. But have we yard. lost? Have we lost touch with? That, that side of life or is maybe it's coming back can it come more back more than that I think is people have this anxiety like I am only important if my phone has something like if someone hasn't liked my post if I don't have notifications if I don't have something in the inbox what's wrong with me like how do I fill that void and they're constantly being fed by this need from social media and so or phones you mm-hmm. know like has why hasn't anyone rung and there must be something wrong and it's all it is an addiction it's cheap dopamine. Right, yeah. yeah. It's the easiest but, source of dopamine. You know, being the most Free. exhausted is almost like, who's the winner of being the most exhausted? I'm so busy. I've got oh. this. I've got that. It's like glorification of busy. Calm no, one's busy. Who has, just unorganised. Who has sat on the couch and I don't know where the kids... I know my, one of the boys is in the room 
I'll text him, are you okay? Where's <laughs> really? my husband? Where's my wife? Has anyone texted their partner or... Yeah. With, yeah. I have, yeah. yeah. Only when I want them yeah. to fetch not, something not from the other end. But not that I'm on the couch. They're, they've got the noise-cancelling headphones and they're listening to tunes, so I'm not a yeller and I don't want to walk down that end of the house because I'm, you know, finalising the dinner. Dinner's ready and they come. It's good. <laughs> it does work. It does work. My husband's a FIFO, so he's away six months of the year. So when he's home, we don't need to do that. But when it's a solo, I've just got to try and make things work. Being married to a FIFO? Mm, fly in, fly out, yeah. Yeah, he's in the Navy. He was. Okay. And then he went to Merchant Navy, which is commercial shipping yep. up into Singapore. And now he's uh, on the tugs in WA. You know, he's always on the water. That's all I've ever known. We've been married 20 years, so... And, and is it true that... <laughs> Love grows fonder when there is distance? I don't know. I think it's different for everybody. But, you know, COVID was really hard. It was, um, he was due home on the Wednesday. The election in 2020 was on the on the Saturday. And he called on the Sunday and said, hey, the WA Premier is closing the border on Tuesday. I go, oh, okay. But you get home on Wednesday, so that's fine. He goes, no, 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 the border's closing. I go, okay, what does that mean? He goes, so... Everyone's getting flown over, all the families, housing, education, everyone will be put up for 12 months, but I need to know by 9am tomorrow. I'm like, oh, but the election's on Saturday. He goes, yeah, so, but I need to know tomorrow. I'm like, oh, I can tell you now. He goes, oh, great, what is it? I go, the answer's no. He's like, what? I'm like, it's no. If I get elected, I can't be stuck in WA and not get back. Correct. And so um, 18 months was a pretty long time and there was only a couple of visits here and there. So tough, mm -hmm. tough time. So just at this point now, Terry James, you obviously... One Who's of, that, uh, sorry? Councillor. <laughs> <laughs> he says lovely things about you. I'm sure he does. So only two candidates put their hand up so far that we know of. Oh, there's a fellow called John Kelly, I believe it is, from the Common Sense Party. Generally, about a month or two out, there'll be uh, an influx oh, of Oh, look, nominees. it's going to be a Melbourne Cup start. Of course it's going to be. Yeah. Yep. Rob Pine? Div 5, apparently. Yep. Putting his hand up? For Division for, 5, yeah. For Division 5. Yeah, yeah. I did read that. Yeah, he actually went and got a tattoo of number 5 on his shoulder. My That's goodness. And now, he's currently... Divi division 2. Yeah. So, he was Division 3 before he became an MP, and then he knew he couldn't beat Kathy Zeiger one of my fellow community chicks. So he went Division 2. Very strong, very strong councillors, Cathy. Yeah. And then he's like, well, he didn't actually think he was going to see out his term because of the defamation case. Uh, so he's like, well, look, I may as well go for Division 5 because, you know, why not? I'd be the first councillor elected into three different divisions. That's pretty cool. So I was like, oh, OK, yeah. Different strokes for different folks, I guess. How do you think the referendum's going to affect the local government election? Look, I think the referendum is going to impact the nation on every level, whether it's in the street, local government, government departments. Are you talking about as part of your campaign, though? Is it something that is conscious for you, or are you keeping look, the two separate? Yeah, definitely keeping it separate because it's not in the remit of local government. But regardless of what happens, it's definitely going to... It's never going to be the same. Yeah. And I really... I'm quite disheartened of how it's playing out. It's, yeah. it's really quite scary how it's being politicised. Mm. And it's going to have a massive impact on our community. And I'm Do you just think it's too soon after COVID? The country is still struggling. So, what do you mean too soon after COVID? Mm. Economically. What in what? Sorry. Well, I think COVID was economically disastrous for the country. For some, for some, yeah, some for some, really absolutely. Good. You, you look at Victoria, for example, ten million dollars in interest a day from overspending, and the health system around the country in every state is not healthy. Pardon the pun, no pun intended. Do you think the prime minister put too much weight? on our mind thoughts set after COVID so soon? Could he have waited another 12 months just so the country can get back to some normality? I think this is a conversation that's taken too long to be had. Yeah. I don't think it's a budgetary issue. I think yeah. for such a huge part of our population and our history, it needs to be had and it needs to be brought out, aired and a decision made. I, I don't think it's... I can't see the correlation to COVID and the budget. So oh, I, ju yeah. I just... What I mean is... COVID really brought down the the economy of the country. Hmm. Were we ready for something like this to set our mind thoughts somewhere else or should we have focused on rebuilding the economy? Getting back into the black. Mm. 
That's an ironic phrase. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think this is something that has been dividing Australia for far too long and it's time we all got on the same page as Australians. Um, whatever the outcome is, we need a clarity around that and I think it's, it's going to be so empowering for people to know we have a decision, we're moving forward and I've seen people on great arguments from both sides of the fence but it's just going to be interesting to see what comes out of it. And Emily, have you had any feedback from young people in the community about if they're going to vote yes or no? Or? I don't think young people are that political. Yeah. Really? Okay. Well, I'm not really sure what it is. Like, there's not that much information. Information's coming out now, but initially I was like, what even is this? You know? Mm. I, I thought it was so interesting. The paper did a little street poll. I don't know. I can't remember if it was 10 or 100 people. And it was like 30% hadn't even heard of The Voice. Oh, could not believe that. Are they on social media at all? I don't know. This was from Shield Street um, and it was a bit of a street poll, but I thought that was interesting. Yeah, Some people thought it was the TV show. Oh, for a singer. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think, oh, wow, we've... That's horrible. You know, that to me means we're, you know, we're crappy communicators. We've got to do better at communicating. And I think regardless of where this lands it's really evident that communication needs to improve, be improved and we need to be having conversations, like meaningful conversations and making sure that information is being out because obviously an empowered community is an informed community, right? Yeah, yeah. and I don't think avoiding the conversation is going to help. So no, no. Yeah, definitely um, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. And well, Queensland is uh, far ahead in the no vote, which okay. is quite interesting. Oh, okay. I against Melbourne. Yeah. I think that was always predicted, though. Yeah. Um, if you look at history and how we've played in the played in the arena. Well, we've still got three weeks to go. Yeah. 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 We've yeah. got that, then the local government elections, and then we're ramping up for federal next year. State government State State in after October, that. one yeah. year away. Okay. Yeah. It's massive. Exciting. And I've got two children's birthdays in October, so October's a really big one. I can beat that. I've got an anniversary and I've got four birthdays. What? Yeah. The wife, father-in-law and the two boys. All in October? Yes, I go bankrupt in October every year. <laughs> I well, thought I had it tougher. Just to let you know, in the food space, because I do have a day job, um, <laughs> October being Indigenous Business Month, we have got planning underway for the Indigenous Food and Business Expo that will be happening down at the pier in November. But we've also got Department of Ag is working with us to put on a big showcase of Indigenous food. And we're going to be going off to Darwin oh. uh, to talk at the Bush Food Symposium over there. But... We've got also Fig Jam & Co. So we have businesses come from all over Australia to manufacturing with us and Fig Jam & Co. is going to be coming up to our kitchens and doing a big run of bush sambal and their bush Ooh. ganoush, which is a baba ganoush with the bush flavour. Um, so I'm having a really fat October. It's going to yep. be great. <laughs> no, I'm glad you mentioned it because I did see a program on the ABC about bush tucker mm. and it's fascinating. Uh, they actually took people out into the bush and showed them how to survive. One of the things that excites me about this, now if you think Italy, you can think pasta. If you think Chinese, you can think honey chicken. If you think Mexico, think the you Romans. Can, yeah, Mexico, you can think of tacos, right? Like every country has its cuisine identity. And when it comes to Australia, people think lamingtons and pavlovas and meat pies and the most boring food to come out of Europe. Sausages. I was going to say, yeah. do you know what? I think, of, I think of kangaroo and croc. Well, oh, I, I think, think of bunnings. Maybe that's because <laughs> I'm from the Territory. Yeah, Actually, so, so am I. Really? Yeah, originally. originally. Yeah. So one of the things we're doing at the FNQ Food Incubator is we're working really closely in the Indigenous food sector because it was valued at $50 million. Less than 2% of it is actually owned by Aboriginal people. Now, to pick up our earlier conversation, imagine there is a food industry for female-led food businesses worth $50 million and less than 2% are women. You're going to have a problem with it. So we started working with Indigenous food businesses to try and change that around. But one of the concerns we have is what is an Indigenous food? Is it about being grown on Aboriginal land, owned by an Aboriginal That's business? Question. Mm -hmm. Is it just something that has native ingredients in it? Is it something that just came, you know, with some kind of ochre standard about it? So we're doing a lot of work in that space. And one of my favourite parts of my job is I get to go on country with some of our Indigenous chefs and go, no, 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 feed me something <laughs> else with red claw. This is awesome. You know? Love it. Yeah, love I love it. my job. Absolutely. Emily, V-E-T. Vocational Education Training. Tell us more. I was actually going to make my own podcast episode about this, but I'll, I'm not a gatekeeper, so I'll spill the tea. Be free TAFE. I can't believe how slept on this opportunity is. TAFE is offering, like, I think 50 
fee-free courses yeah. in so many different industries. Yeah. Okay. Finance, nursing, education support. Might be graphic design. Mm-hmm. Like there's Graphic few, design, yeah, yeah. hospitality, all the things. And the eligibility requirements are 15 and not currently enrolled in school, not enrolled in another subject. You have not completed a fee-free TAFE course before. You're a Queensland resident, a permanent Queensland resident and an Australian citizen. And that's it. You just apply for the <laughs> course that you want. And it's all yours. I think Central Queensland Uni also has them because I was looking at In doing the bookkeeping. With, yeah, yeah, TAFE, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So I'm doing my diploma of business at the moment. So that's a diploma that's usually about ten dollars to $12,000. And that diploma gets you a year off a university degree. That's so so essentially that's you're enormous. saving yourself $20,000 by taking up the opportunity to upskill yourself for free. The thing I really like about the training is you're hanging out with other people who want to improve their education as well. Well, I'm doing it online. In well, theory. It's, yeah, it starts the conversation. So you find people who also want to upskill themselves and it's a great icebreaker. If someone's saying, oh, I'm really not enjoying my job or I'm feeling really stuck where I am. So the my podcast, Hot No Matter What, is for women aged 17 to 24 and that's a really you know as someone who's I'm 24 so I'm just on the edge of it I'm 25 next week so I'm just coming out of that but you go through so many emotions because you've just finished school in high school everyone tells you you know your future is so bright the world is your oyster and you get a bit of an attitude ego about you thinking you know oh I'm so much better than everyone else because you're just at the top of your game in grade 12 and then you graduate and then you're literally the bottom of society (laughs) and it hits you like a ton of bricks because you've got no employable skills except for the fact that you have cheap labour because you're 17 years old and you did sort of well in school so then employees can see well they showed up for school and they proved that they could do an assignment slash task reasonably well maybe I'll give them a chance. But then after that, it doesn't really translate to anything else. You're just literally some bright-eyed 17-year-old that I'm going to have to spend lots of time with to train. So I spent a a long, long time at McDonald's. I worked at McDonald's for eight years. Yeah. You had a very good career there. Yes. And achieved a lot of awards. I have achieved a lot of awards, yeah. It was a a great place to work because they recognise their people and they have a lot of opportunities for you. So my last position at McDonald's was actually the traineeship coordinator. So I delivered the certificate two and three in retail qualifications and the food safety supervised qualifications to 60 registered trainees across six McDonald's restaurants in Cairns. Wow. Yes. Fabulous. And at the time it was owned by one woman, which was a amazing to work yeah. for. She was such a boss. Um, and today is my daughter's second day in her first ever job at McDonald's. <laughs> it's a great start. It is a great starting place. Yeah. They it teach you how to work. Like you, The hardest job I've ever had is at McDonald's. It's just relentless. It's physically exhausting. It's mentally exhausting. And then, you know, if you choose a management pathway, it's just all kinds of hard. You know, you're 18 years old and the whole restaurant is your responsibility right now. Every and they single do put the onus, the responsibility on you yes. to show up on time. Yep. If you can't do your shift to find a replacement, there's no no leeway. That's no. good. It's, it's, it's about discipline. responsibility. It's cutthroat. It yeah. really is. It's before COVID. So I think COVID did a lot of good for businesses when it came to sick employees. So you're taken more seriously now if you're actually unwell. But back in the day, it was like, unless you're in hospital, you can still rock up for work, right? And it was like, oh, you've got a runny nose? Just bring tissues, you know? So the culture's (laughs) changed a little bit since then, but I'm sure you've all had that experience. I think that's changed in all workplaces now. All workplaces. There's more, you know, lotions, hand lotions and tissues and, and so forth. People are throwing things in the bin. Which they should. Be. Well, they should absolutely 100%. wash it. I, I am constantly washing my hands. So, you think about before, McDonald's would just... I'm just using McDonald's as an example. Oh, poor McDonald's. I don't have a legal team, guys, so don't <laughs> You don't need one soon, Ah, yes. My sister-in-law's a lawyer, so hopefully. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, you would see them just put straws into your drinks after mm. handling cash. So, my biggest oh, thing... cash is disgusting. Yes, and because I did food safety supervisor qualifications, I see this so often in businesses. The same person who is handling your cash, if you pay with cash, is then going and making your food. They don't jump out the back. And they squeeze the lime or something in. 
something to your drink. Bars are so big for that. I was like, when did yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. they go to the toilet and you're like, so, you did not wash your hands. Yeah, I can skip Changing on the, the bin, then coming over, serving you, yes. making your drink. Hygiene has, uh, the landscape of hygiene has changed dramatically in this country. Exactly. I liked the little um, signs that were in the bathrooms, you know, the, your safety is in your hands, like bringing it back to literally your hands as you're washing your hands, yeah. making sure you washed your hands properly. I used to like going to the toilets at Mondo's years ago. <laughs> okay. Because they used to play uh, Monty Python. <laughs> I am. Um, before I worked at the FNQ Food Incubator, I assumed that any food I paid for had a certain standard of hygiene about it, and I now know so much more. And I am so glad we do all that food safety, food handling training before people come in the kitchen to manufacture, because we would say to them, "You get a hairnet, and you get gum boots, and you get an apron, and this is the." And they'd say, "Does my cat get a hairnet?" It's like, "No, your cat's not coming in the kitchen." <laughs> but it won't be the same making fudge without Mr. Mittens. And I'm like, "No." Oh my God. No, and I just ate your fudge a second ago and now I have regrets. <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> but there's so much opportunity for training now in all these different industries and we're doing a lot to try and improve that hygiene mm. and I think there's so much to learn from companies like McDonald's that have systemised it mm. and it's great to see young people going through that because you learn discipline. Mm. It's oh, not yeah. just the skill set, mm. it's the work skill set. And that's transferable. Yeah. Yeah. Time management and discipline and goal setting and Work so on is really handy. Yeah. So there was that uh, having that job, part time job after school or before school was really important many many years ago, and the government did at a time make it did make it difficult for employers uh, the cash here's a, here's twenty dollars under the table. Uh, you know, work, sweep the floors or whatever. So it it was brought back into line, but uh, there, there seems to be ample work for kids to go and find after school. Yeah, job seeking the... after school is probably the best time to find a job. Yeah. And looking for traineeships is your best way to break into an industry. So a lot of people choose a university pathway based on what they're told at school. So even though it's changing now, university pathways are still very much like honed in on at school. And this was one of the reasons why, you know, they see you down in grade 12 and they say, make a five-year plan. And it's like, how can 17-year-old me make a plan for the next five years of my life? I'm a completely I different person <laughs> to when I was, yeah, 17 they years old. They can't keep their room tidy. Exactly. So how are you asking them to make a decision for someone in their mid-20s? So my advice for any school leaver is to just try everything yeah, and see advice. what sticks. Because I never, I'm in the finance industry now, I'm a bookkeeper, but I never ever thought that I would be in the finance industry. I hated accounting at school. I hated math. I still do really hate math, but I love puzzles and I love people and I work in, because I'm at a bookkeeping company, I work in lots of small business files. So I get that free market research for myself to see what works, what doesn't, yeah. you know, who are the big leaders in business in Cairns and how can I implement that in my future and my own businesses down the line. But I wouldn't have been able to break into that industry had there not been traineeship and options available. You're doing this part of your presentation for school students at the it moment. It is part of my presentation. So a lot of people, you know, you only see what people put on social media and I only, you know, I'm the worst for this, I only share the good moments because there's a fine line between being vulnerable and oversharing, in my opinion. So yeah. you want to be vulnerable, but then privacy is power, but you want to show people that you went through you know, some tough times as well. So I was a teen mum, so I was on track to study business at university. And it's a pathway that I felt pretty forced into doing by teachers and my parents. And I actually begged them for a gap year. I said, please, can I have a gap year? Like, because I was trying to get out of going to uni and then actually worked at McDonald's full-time for a year, became a manager. Um, and then I thought that I'd be sick of working in fast food and ready to start a new career by doing a university degree. But when I was at uni, I really struggled with not being able to relate it back to real life. In a sense, it was all very theory based and I hated the learning style of being talked at mm -hmm. and a lecturer up there pointing to some slides, reading off the slides. I just thought, why is this so complicated? You could explain this in a much easier to understand way and I could be at home 
reading these slides myself. Like, why did I bother coming in <laughs> to listen email. to you for literally three <laughs> hours? Yeah, it was it was a joke. Anyway, but I did like one university subject and that was human resource management and it's not actually because of the subject contents it was because of the way that the lecture was delivered so we were all in a very collaborative classroom style the lecturer would give us a task to do we would you know buddy up with people around us and do it so I was that's when I sort of discovered that I learnt the best as a hands-on learner and that also explained my success at McDonald's as well so McDonald's is very I do, you do, and then, you know, you get really good at things because you're implementing it straight away, mm. and that's the best way to learn. So when I decided that I was itching to learn again myself, so I was in, I was a traineeship coordinator and I was helping, you know, year 12 students get points towards their QCE with the registered training um, that we had at McDonald's and then I was I started to get jealous of them I was like I want to start learning again myself so I started looking around at traineeships that were available and it was a really hard time to get a job then because that was just sort of as COVID was kind of coming to an end so all the really qualified people who'd lost their jobs mm. during COVID were now applying for all of the jobs that were slowly coming available yeah. so it was really hard to get a job then I applied for over 30 jobs and I was rejected for like every single job and it was so disheartening because I just couldn't understand why I kept getting rejected I was like you know I've worked at McDonald's for eight years eight and a half years at that point and I was like I can show my loyalty to a company but it actually worked the opposite way for me and people thought well she doesn't have enough skills she's worked at one place for eight and a half years and instead of them being like she's loyal she's been internally promoted she's got all these accolades you know I was, I was employee of the year three three years in a row I went on a leadership course and I was voted the silver hat award which is a peer voted award oh, to the person cool. who's contributed the most to others learning so that was a really warm and fuzzy Special. award to yeah. get yeah mm. you know anything peer voted is really nice yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah so I was so frustrated anyway I got this email one day from this lady named Cherie at A1 Bookkeeping and she was like hey Emily do you want to come in for a chat you know we can talk about your you know a potential position here and I was like yeah great whatever you know thank you for the opportunity and it's funny I used to have a mentor who I would meet with at this cafe called The Nest and it's in Whitfield and I cried to her only a few <laughs> weeks before just saying I feel so stuck you know why won't anyone give me a chance I'm a complete failure and she said I feel like an opportunity is just around the corner for for you. So I went to my interview, you know, a little a couple of weeks later I went to my interview and they were doing construction in the office. So Cherie says to me, Oh, why don't we just have our interview at the coffee shop out the front? And it was the Nest coffee <laughs> shop. I sat with her for two hours, she offered me the job on the spot. That's a sign. Yep, and the rest is history. I I started there completely green to the finance industry. She the job was actually for a certificate three in business, but she said, I think you're gonna get bored doing that. We'll do the cert four in accounting and bookkeeping. And then yeah, I got student of the month three times with the uh, college that I studied with and then just recently won trainee of the year for the Far North Queensland yeah, region. Congratulations. Yeah, Thank you. Job. Yeah, good it was job. amazing. So now I'm speaking in schools and really advocating for vet training pathways. There's a skill McDonald's taught you yeah. is how to communicate to people. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. I joke and say that I was the personality hire, to be honest. <laughs> but it's <laughs> so work. important. Yeah. And I think it's it's lacked these days. Yes. And I wish it yeah. would just come back. Learning to speak to people, whether you're in retail, whatever, yeah. is just yeah. so important. Well, you look at the most successful people, they don't have all the qualifications that you think that yeah. they should. They're just good at they people. They can talk to people, yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, I worked in finance. That was my first job for six and a half years. I hated it. You'll either love uh, it or you hate it. Didn't hate it all the time. <laughs> yeah. But it taught me a long time to realise it taught me one important skill is how to talk to people yeah. and listen. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's what people don't do. They listen to just respond. They don't actually listen to fix. Yeah. Are you problem. hearing or are you listening? That's, that's yeah. right. Correct. Yeah. Correct. It's, but I it's, love what Emily said there about young people try as many things you can. And I feel completely mm. gypped by my career counsellor at school because <laughs> they were like, you're a teacher, you're a doctor, like these are your options. And mm. I met a guy at Target. <laughs> he 
He was fixing Ferris wheels. He just flew around the world fixing Ferris wheels. They never gave me that as an option at school. Yeah. I would have taken that. Well, I don't want to be a teacher. I did a traineeship with the NT government and it, I was like, oh, wow, okay, whatever. I didn't want to go to university. Knew that. But this whole answering the phones and we had, you know, 34 lines. It was a big college. Do you know how to print double-sided? Yeah, I know how to print double-sided. This is like, yawn. I can't do this. This mm. is very boring. Finished that. I thought, right. And I had Home and Away was on in my the house that I shared in Darwin. And there was this lady and she just sat around having cups of tea and coffee with people. She was a counsellor. I, <laughs> I was like, wow, I reckon I could do this. You're like, here for the beverage plan. <laughs> I don't even drink tea or coffee, but I was like, I can talk to people. I can talk to people. So I went down to NTU as it was back then and I signed up and did a social work degree. It lost accreditation in Darwin because it's the last frontier. Hence, I moved to Cairns and I finished my degree at James Cook. But it's really about people and you get to have the most amazing conversations. You do. You do. On Friday, I was talking to this lady at an event, never met her before. Turns out she rescued the dance floor from House on the Hill. The original wow. dance floor. There you go. And it's at her. It's staying alive. Imagine the stories that floor <laughs> could <laughs> tell. And it's at a Queenslander in Cairns North, that very dance floor. And she has an opera singer come every Friday to do lessons. And she had some jazz master from New York over two weeks ago wanting to dance on the dance floor. I didn't even know about this. That's a cool That story. dance floor That's would really also cool. hold some of the most uh, top secret oh, uh, files yes. from World War II. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So talking to people mm. is uh, it's such a skill. It's, and well, it's so everybody, interesting. Every human being has a, has a story and has a journey. Yeah. The other interesting thing I got out of your story, Emily, was when you were saying that you'd spent eight and a half years there and people didn't see that mm. as a good thing. And I know when I'm hiring, if someone's been in the one job for, not the one company, but the one role for eight and a half years, I think, Ooh. what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, didn't you want to do more? Didn't you want to improve? And like being in one company and changing roles is one thing. But you know when they've been in mm. admin for eight years? And I think... It's important too in politics. If someone has been in the same councillor job for 50 years and 22 years, and their predecessor was there and it was their husband or something, you know, you just think, Mm. let's get some fresh blood, fresh ideas. Like, Mm. don't you want to go try something else and bring that back? And yeah, 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 definitely. It's funny, we were going through some. We were looking for a new receptionist recently. We were going through the applications, and it was actually a red flag for us when they'd spent only two years in a job and they just like kept changing it was like 10 jobs over you know 20 years <laughs> by math but yeah and I was like well why do you keep changing jobs like you haven't been there long enough in my opinion to learn anything depends on the job yeah I guess in our industry in the finance industry it takes two years to really get your head around something and start yeah. doing it yeah. well yeah. and then the ATO go and change some of the, the <laughs> regulations anyway. so you yes. go do well, it more well that's why I don't think we'll be replaced by AI that quickly as everyone says everyone's like oh AI is going to replace your job and I was like well not as quickly as you think because it's quite a grey area you know and unless you want black and white rules from the ATO, which no one wants. They're not going to understand customers and they're not going to get that story that you were talking about, JR. That's where AI is not going to be able to pull it together. It might get facts and figures, but yeah. Yeah. Amy? JR? Pretty rowdy in the public gallery recently. This proposal to ban fishing on the Esplanade. Why? Not okay. It is terrible. (laughs) Where has this come from? This, my friend, I don't know. I believe it's come from the bureaucrats. So A green bureaucrat, possibly? Yeah, so back in 2020, I received a couple of complaints from residents that they had been moved on by security fishing on the Esplanade. And I couldn't work it out because you're allowed to. So I remember making some inquiries and they're like, yeah, yeah, no, they are allowed to. We'll follow it up. So... All in all, I've always known that it's something that's really valued. And when we first moved to Cairns, you know, Cairns was the sleepy little fishing village. That's kind of how it's been. And it's a big part of our culture, obviously, especially for First Nations. Anyway, we went through... I, I was young and eager when I got elected and I said, we need to do a local law review. This is in 2020. Oh, it takes three years. Anyway... We started it, we're now coming to the completion of it, and we've come to endorse the proposed amendments, which allows us to go to consultation with the community. So yes, it was all endorsed um, unanimously, but I'm sitting in the in the chambers when someone's yapping on about something and I'm flicking through and I see the proposed ban for fishing on the Esplanade. And I hadn't seen it 
in the hundreds and hundreds of pages that it is when I first read it at home. And so I asked questions about it on the floor of council and they're like, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's you know, it's a, it's a safety risk. So anyway, I asked some information post-council and um, it, there is concerns about a potential conflict between a pedestrian and a fisher person. I'm like, so there hasn't been any conflict? No, 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 there could be a conflict. I'm like, oh, yeah, there could be if I cross the road on the Mulgrave Road or, you know, like a scooter rider is... Yeah, skateboarder a, on the night. Correct. Yeah. So Roller I was skate. a little bit, mm, this is interesting. So I put out my little newsletter and quick as a flash, I did the call to action and all these emails came in, started oh, yeah. coming in. It was so great. We do not support the bureaucratic banning of fishing on the Esplanade. I was like, I knew it. I knew the sentiment of the community. I was pretty confident oh, yeah. with that. The, the Cairns Post picked it up real quick. Yeah, it's I didn't get one of the a safest. single mention, by the way, even mm. though I broke the story. But anyway... It's got to be one of the safest places to fish, though. Like, not everyone can afford a boat. Not everyone wants to go stand with crocodiles on a creek bank somewhere. But if you've got a young family... Or if you've got someone who's elderly who can't access the boat, they feel safe because security are around, there's the CCTV cameras and there's the lighting. So from that point of view, they definitely feel safer. But, But that's at Flying Fish Point... Between well, let's let's um, pinpoint an area now. And I'm looking at a photo up on the wall here, probably further around around Muddy's between Muddy's and the northern end, which is sandy, uh, because the council put sand there, has become a little bit more popular with people throwing a line. But you can, you can only do it on an incoming or an outgoing time. Correct, correct. Half the time it's mud. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So this is the thing, and I've heard people say, well, what about you can walk along the Esplanade and be threatened by a bike yeah. or a skateboard correct. or rollers. Yeah. So, and as you've said, quoted, you have not seen one complaint. So as the divisional councillor, I have not received a single complaint correct. in three and a half years about fishing on the Esplanade. I've received a lot of emails since I put the call to action out to say, let us know your thoughts. And I've received one email supporting the proposed ban. And the stories that have been shared with me, this one lady, she lives in Gordon Vale. Her dad had a fish trap out at Yarrabah. Like the stories that have been shared and the sentiment that is attached to fishing off our Esplanade Absolutely. is really what we call in council speak in our corporate plan is Cairnsness. And that Cairnsness is what makes Cairns Cairns. And we must safeguard that. And you so, are so right. Yeah. Because there's been, uh, over the last 20 years, a call to, to get rid of palm trees. Mm, it yeah. is infuriating. Why? This is our way of life. When you step off Insurance. the aeroplane in the middle of winter from Melbourne, from two degrees into a tropical atmosphere and you don't see palm trees. I did this on Saturday. I flew in from Melbourne. You're going to fly out. And I drove down the, you know, down past the hospital and so on and I took a photo of palm trees and I sent it to the people in Melbourne. I went, I'm home. Yeah. I've sent, I have literally sent down a jar of sunshine in the middle of the winter of my family in Melbourne. Yeah. They hate me. But this is the thing and I'm so glad and there are six councillors that are dead set against this proposal. And I tell you well, what. there are now that they yeah. know about it. They know this about it. This is the yep. thing. So we went through the consultation as councillors and through the consultation as the divisional councillor, it hasn't been raised that council officers have concerns. So sitting in that council meeting, I was a bit caught off guard, if you will, to see it as a proposed banning. I couldn't make it, I couldn't work it out. We'd, we'd had all the conversations internally and not once was it raised. So that was really concerning for me. So, yeah. And people power. Rising to the top. I think it's fantastic. We've also had quite a few um, emails in because we're banned, dogs are banned in the city and they've been banned since 2011. And we keep talking about the city dying and we need to activate it. Yet people want to live in the city with their little fur babies and they technically could grab a $309 fine if they get caught, even if the dog's on a lead in the CBD. I did not really? know that. Correct. So back in 2020, we did the Alcan survey and I fought for this question to be in the survey and we asked the people. Eight and a half thousand people responded. 74% said, we want dogs in the city. And guess what? We're going to continue proposing to ban no. dogs in the city. It doesn't even make sense. I think I'm going barking mad, JR. 
<laughs> well, look, we wish you all the best for the next council election. Looking forward to seeing your team. We're going to have you back. Would you like to come back? Yes, please. Lara, you'll be coming back. Oh, yeah, yeah. And look, if anyone out there sees strange faces in town, we have got a new project <laughs> with National Job Link where we've got m- immigrants who've oh, moved yeah. to Cairns yeah. Yeah. and we're right. going to be teaching them food manufacturing so they can have a business even if English oh, isn't their first language and they can have economic independence. But we've also got a huge cohort of Indigenous farmers coming across from the Northern Territory and they're going to be coming here to tour our local farms and look at our local food industry. So there's, there's plenty of visitors coming to town to uh, eat some food here in Cairns. We are turning into the right food bowl, aren't we? Oh, hell yeah. Like, I remember years ago when I first moved to Cairns, the Qantas magazines, remember those things that used to be in the back of the seat pockets? Mm. Yes. And it had Cairns as the capital for Japanese food outside Japan. Yeah, right. Because we had so many Japanese people living here when we had the real Japanese boom. And I never forget that. And I think, God, I love all this beautiful food. But we have just really, like, thanks to people like yourself, we've really just grown our food bowl. Oh, I love it. Well, I work for Daikyo on Great Adventures. Yeah. And they bought these uh, seaweed rolls full of rice and and other stuff. And (laughs) we didn't know what they were. (laughs) Guess what they were? Sushi rolls. And I fall. I I love sushi, mm. and oh, we did. We that was it. the first time I'd ever mm. seen it thirty yeah. years ago. Yeah. So they're everywhere now. Yeah, so. yeah. And Emily, it's been great having you with us. Thank you we so invite much. you back to Insights Cans if you'd like to come back. I would love to come back. It's been a great discussion. Yes, it's been great. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. And good uh, on you, Jr., for being the bloke in the room. And yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's a huntsman behind you. I'm Balancing okay with that. this energy, this union energy. It's a energy. female huntsman. <laughs> How can you tell? You lift the hind leg up Felt and have a look. We know these things. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. Been been wonderful. That's Insights Cairns. And uh, we can't wait for our next episode. From hard conversations to one degree of separation, this is Insights Cairns. 